Hello and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 100 movies, one cage. This is episode 111, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent from 2022. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, this movie not officially out yet, but you and I got to see an early screening of it last night in South Orange, New Jersey. Shout out to SOPAC for inviting us there. Uh, but this is it. This is the movie that I've been worried about for literally like two or three years, right? However long mm-hmm. we've known about it for. Yeah. I've been like, oh no, this could go one of two very different ways. And I'm happy to say, I think we both really liked it. Yeah, I gotta say, it was a lot of fun. And I'm relieved that it went the right way. Like there, we had so many sort of unconfirmed rumors and thoughts about what this might be and things that it could have been. And I'm just glad it is what it was and not some of those crazy things that we might have expected it to be. It's certainly crazy, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Yeah, when we were sitting down in the theater last night, you're like, what, do you know what this movie's about? And I was like, no, I don't watch trailers. You're like, I don't I don't know like what the like I don't know what the <laughs> plot is. Cuz mm-hmm. you know, we know that Nicolas Cage is playing himself and he gets summoned to this like island or whatever by a character played by Pedro Pascal for his birthday for like a million dollars, right? The Cage right. hard on his luck or whatever gets summoned to this place for, you know, something he wouldn't normally do but goes there and then a movie to some extent unfolds. But beyond that, we didn't really know But what it winds up being is, like, it's a meta movie, which we knew, but a meta movie about the making of a meta movie, in a way. Yeah, there's a bit of, like, an adaptation vibe going on here, not only with, like, the the way the screenplay unfolds and sort of mixes in with reality in ways, but also, like, multiple cage, you know, him talking to himself and things. But, yeah, like we said, like, I kind of got that premise, but, you know, I didn't know what the movie inside of all that was going to be, because that can't just be the movie. You just hang out with a super fan for his birthday. Like, something else has to, you know, go on around that. And so... Yeah, it was, uh, it was a surprise to find that out as well. So that was fun. I think this episode, this is not going to be like a full-length episode because we both watched it. They were like so strict, like in a good way, I think, about like, don't take out your phone. You can't do this, can't do that. This is an early, this is a private screening, blah, blah, blah. And so we don't really have notes on this. So I think we'll do like a full episode when it comes out on VOD or Blu-ray or whatever, you know, in a, in a couple months. But I think just for now, it's it's largely going to be spoiler free because this comes out, I think, officially next weekend. I think you were saying that it's in some theaters, you know, this weekend, too. So it's out there. It's coming out. So if you're able to see it, go see it, especially if you're listening to Cage Club, if you're a Nicolas Cage fan, you're going to see this movie. As far as I can tell, based on my letterbox list, this is his 100th movie. And I feel like Mm -hmm. for such a round, perfect number to be a movie essentially about his career in the movie, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but like he announces he's retiring from acting, right? Because he's he's frustrated. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. So like Mm -hmm. the real Cage not retiring, but like if you were to, we have 100 movies now, right? So like it's a nice (sighs) kind of place for a fictional Cage to go out on. Yeah, I like how they played with his persona in this. You know, he's not quite playing himself, but sort of like this Earth 2 version, like an alternate, like a like a variant of himself in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, and we didn't sign, you know, any non-disclosure agreements, but we don't want to be spoiler heavy. And yeah, I think the movie is out there and people are seeing it. And I'm just so glad that this is the movie that he is kind of officially back in theaters with. You know, I mean, yeah. I, Stuff has come out in theaters, but it seems like, you know, with the COVID and and um, all the other sort of like 
his movies being so small and independent and only showing like in certain like 10 screens, you know, across the country. Like this is, this feels like they say in the movie, like he's back, even though he never really went anywhere. Like I really loved that kind of vibe that it was giving off as well. So just, just sort of, like you said, like a great kind of package for this to be, you know, like close to like, if not his hundredth movie, very close to it. And love the way that it kind of, um, encapsulated his career and the way that he reflected upon himself so a lot of interesting stuff going on yeah we were thinking about last night as we were waiting for the movie because like we got there really early and then it started like there were no trailers which was nice but it started a little bit later so we had like a lot of time to just like think about things i'm trying to think about cage in theaters and obviously pig was in theaters and people loved pig but pig was just more of an indie darling than like a mainstream thing obviously spider-man spider-verse was huge but like that's not really a cage movie right mandy was crudes is it yeah yeah but even before like mandy was big but also just for genre like i think mom and dad might have been in some theaters snowden was in a bunch of theaters but like he's not a big part of that like you kind of have to go all the way back to like to have like a starring like left behind i saw in theaters joe was oh boy (laughs) it's been like a decade or so but like this is Maybe since like Drive Angry, like Ghost Rider, yeah, yeah, Ghost Rider like, Two, like Kick Ass. Like it, I was looking back at my wall of Cage DVDs and everything, and I was trying to, say, you know, after Pig came out, I was like, how many years has it been since he sort of, you know, headlined his own movie in the actual theaters and everything like that? And uh, yeah, you gotta go, you gotta go further back than I was expecting for for that. But we were talking last night, you know, like. When was the last time you and I saw a cage movie in theaters together and everything? And it was like, you know, the the pig and the color out of space and stuff. Those were very small screenings and things. But it was kind of like Snowden felt yeah. like his last mainstream theatrical release, and he was barely in it. So and again, yeah, that's a not nice... a cage movie. It's a movie with right. cage in it, right? Yeah. So this this is definitely like saying to everybody, look cages he's worthy or whatever you want to say like he can hold the mainstream cinema blockbuster thing or whatever like this is a hodgepodge you know this i think is sort of saying he can play every role he can do all the genres this is a genre monster mash in a lot of ways of a movie and i think he pulls them all off in a, in a very good way and like looking ahead to what he's got coming next there's things that i don't know i just straight up do not know what they are maybe going to be vod but he's also gonna be the lead in renfield right so like that's gonna be another big oh, return right. to movies yeah. and so Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that there's always with all these actors, you know, you, people talk about like Travolta in Pulp Fiction. People be like, oh, yeah, he's not gone. Like he can still act. Like, what are we doing? And right, so I right. think it just takes the right kind of because pro- also last night there was a and a with the writer director Tom Gormican was there in person. So this yeah. theater apparently kind of rose to prominence or like got some notoriety because like Tom Holland stopped by there. So like it was introduced uh. by this guy who co-founded the space with Patrick Wilson, with actor Patrick Wilson. And so Patrick Wilson wasn't there last night, but the other guy was no, there. He did he this was Q&A. at the moon. Patrick Wilson was on the moon saving he, us all. Well, the moon fell and then the moon rose and spoilers. And then he became part of the moon or something. I don't <laughs> But apparently, I don't know if it, it was a connection between Tom holland and patrick wilson or what but like tom holland came to this place to promote spider-man and so like this kind of like performance art space with like a couple movie screens made news because like you know we're close to new york but it's not new york city and so then for this the writer director to like do this junket to promote his movie then just sort of show up in the middle of nowhere new jersey kind of it's like okay that's really cool so yeah yeah it was it was nice to have him there 
the point, what I was saying, the long-winded way of what I'm saying here is that they asked him and he answered. He's been he's been giving this answer. He's been giving this answer a lot that this movie was only ever going to be Nicolas Cage. It's not like if he said no, they would have been like, okay, let's change X, Y, and Z, and it'll be like you know Keanu. Not that it would be Keanu just for our purposes, right? But like it was always Cage. It was only ever going to be Cage. And so I think it really just takes, like, one person to take a chance on you and put you back in the mainstream, and then also maybe, you know, Cage to take a chance on this guy, and just, you know, propel both of them to, like, future projects and future successes, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, it was a real thrill to, uh, A, just be out at an event again after so long, but B, like, the surprise of the actual writer-director being there, because I think I even said to you, I was like, do you think we'll just get some kind of pre-taped video after this and then the guy running the events like join us after because the director's here and he came out and he like introduced the film and and all that so like that was a lot of fun uh i really enjoyed that part yeah because like they had they had teased or they had mentioned in the emails and the promo that like with a Q&A from the writer director but like it never i don't think explicitly said one way or the other in person or remote and it's like when we saw snowden there was an interview with was it with Oliver Stone? It wasn't with Cage, yeah. right? No, it was yeah, with Oliver it was, Stone and maybe it was Gordon Oliver Levin. Stone. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, there's no way that they're where. Like, we knew that that was gonna be a simulcasting. Like, it was live, but not live in front of us. And we we even like left in the middle. That we're like, this is whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. if they had shown a thing, we might have like hung around for a little bit or whatever. Because I mean, this is this is more about Cage, obviously, than the Snowden thing would have been about. But like. The fact that to have him there was really really cool. And like, there's right. a uh, there's a moment in the movie where. Pedro Pascal's character shows just how big of a fan of Nicolas Cage he actually is. And I asked a question about that, and I still, I kind of, I got the answer, but, like, the moderator did not understand the question, like, the director did. And he <laughs> yeah, just, like, he yeah. asked a different question. I'm like, no, man, like, I want to hear his answer, because he started answering my question, and the guy changed the question on me. I'm just like, well... But, like, it was cool that I got the, you know, that what he was excited about in this one particular thing was what I was excited about, too, which I was like, oh, look, it's that thing, right? So. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to sort of, I don't know, I always get a little embarrassed about answering questions. But the one thing I do want to know about is, uh, like, some of the digital, I don't want to spoil them, but, like, there are, like, pretty great special effects at one point in the movie like there are these cool digital effects and I just was not expecting that at all like in this side like because this is a pretty small movie all things you know the the director said they, they even shot it in COVID you know and and like you can you can kind of tell like he wrote it and maybe he like you know that was sort of the the way the film was like constructed to be a small film and I think that was very smart but there were moments and effects and stuff that I was just not expecting and sort of like I know Nicolas Cage is in your movie but they show clips of Nicolas Cage movies and I'm like I can't believe they kind of they got the rights to those movies you know like it's just a very just a lot of these little surprises along the way that uh, I can't wait to talk about this again and just go really deep into spoily moments because <laughs> it's like it, it this is like what I think I really appreciated is like the director feels like I mean, this might come off weird, but he feels like one of us, Joey, you know, like he doesn't feel like one of these guys out there making fun of Cage. He feels like one of these guys out there, like appreciating Cage and he's in the kind of position in Hollywood and the, and he's a writer. So he almost wrote the kind of movie we always talked about, which would be like, what would be our ultimate Nick Cage movie? And yeah. I feel like this guy wrote his and he managed to get it made. And so there's just like a fun sort of. I don't know, spirit to this whole thing and the idea that Cage played along so much and was willing to, I don't know, like, I almost felt like he got, uh, he was examining himself along the way. Maybe that could be a reason he did. He seems like the kind of guy who's always trying to get deeper into 
you know who he is as an actor as a person so it's just a lot of uh, a lot of fun watching this yeah and I think you know he pointed out and I think he's able to be humble because he was successful but he even said like all we wanted was have like lunch with Nicolas Cage, like have like a Hollywood meeting with Nicolas Cage where he's just like, hey, man, I appreciate it. But like, I'm not really interested. Like, I'm not going to do this or whatever. Right. Like, that's all he wanted. Mm-hmm. And then for Nick Cage to be like, no, like, let's do it. And to actually get it done is a whole other thing. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I was saying that like the only thing, the big thing that you and I have pointed out that I don't know if anybody else has noticed. Like, remember, Lindsay Gibb was like. Have you noticed how many movies he shaves and we're like, no, not really. But then as soon as you know that, you see that everywhere, right? Like, you're just like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. But, like, we've pointed out, like, especially after Never on Tuesday where he plays man in red sports car, you know, he's there's a red sports car. Either he's driving or there's, like, a prominent one in, like, you know, a quarter of his movies. Like, it's crazy. And I know it's not like an uncommon thing, but, like, it just keeps popping up. And so there's none in this movie. Like, he's driving, like, a black Ferrari at one point, and, like, they're in, like, a green Jeep at one point. But it's just, like, give us a red sports car. Like, that. if, if we write a movie <laughs> like this, we're for sure, like, he's driving a red sports car to open the movie. Instead of, instead of that black Ferrari, right? It's just like, oh, no, yep. this is his thing. Like, and, you know, he's not in the full prosthetics, the fake nose and the weird hair and everything. But, like... He's in that red sports car. So, you know, I, I fully agree with you, but, like, we would do things a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned we to me, like, we should have brought a bingo card. And now now that I think about it, we should have brought one to, to slip to the director to be like, well, these, these are the Easter eggs that we find, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Like, next next time, uh, maybe slip a couple more. If you do a sequel, give us a call. I don't know. My favorite moment in the movie, I will not spoil here, but it comes up. And I applauded at this thing. And anybody who knows me, like there's there's few things in terms of pop culture that I love more than Nicolas Cage. One of them is directly referenced in this movie. And I lost my goddamn mind. And I was so happy. And it came up in the Q&A as well that they brought it up. And I can't believe in a movie about, you know, I don't know if I have a favorite actor. It's, you know, based on just like hours spent, it's probably Cage, right? But like. In a movie about ostensibly my favorite actor to reference this other thing directly that also kind of defines me in a way, I'm just like, how is, like, what, how are, what, what? It, it, it was, it was, it was like someone was like reading your mind or something. Like, it was shocking. Like, it was so, because they, it, it's a bit of a reveal and a tease, and it just kind of like exploded in the theater like I feel like a lot of people had a had a reaction, but it, me knowing you was so happy for you because it was like these these worlds colliding and forming this new universe of like joy and happiness, and it was just I was so happy to be sitting next to you at that moment. It was so funny. It was perfect. I think the only thing I want to talk about before we wrap up this sort of mini episode, let's talk about the other actors in it because we didn't know mm-hmm. that everybody. So obviously, Pedro Pascal plays this like. Oh millionaire kind of guy who or billionaire maybe right who pays Nicolas Cage to come to hang out with him for a week or whatever dude can I just ask you about Pedro real quick because I haven't watched a lot of Narcos and I mean we were even talking again last night like what do I know him from not very much and stuff but like in this movie is he not the cutest guy in the world? Like, I just thought like, he was so well, fucking that's, good that's what's and funny. So, so adorable. <laughs> you and I were talking about, like, what do we know him from? And I'm like, well, he was in Game of Thrones. And you're like, oh, yeah, mm, but, like, yeah. <laughs> my least favorite part, because we won't spoil it. I mean, people know Game of Thrones. Like, we're not going to spoil that. We don't need to spoil that here. But he's in a very memorable part of Game of Thrones. And so in the Q&A, they, they, they asked him about, they asked the director about Pedro Pascal. And he said that he only really knew him from Game of Thrones. He thought he was like this menacing guy. 
And I'm like, yeah, but like if you watch Mando, like he's he looks like off like cold and off putting, but like dude loves Grogu. Like he's just like a true, sweetheart, true. right? So like <laughs> there is a softness to him. So for him to be kind of like this like affectionate teddy bear who's just like, hey, I just love Nicolas Cage and I love his movies and Face Off is my favorite movie. It's like, yeah, of course that's like, of course he can play that, right? He's wonderful. He's perfectly cast. Yeah, yeah, I think the director mentioned at one point where Pedro maybe wanted to go a little more villainous with the role, maybe, you know, a little more meaner or something, and he was like, I actually just want you to play it more like yourself as a real person, because you're such a a warm, joyful person, just do that. Then we have, as Cage's wife, Sharon Horgan, who from, do you know, have you seen her in things? Like, have you seen Catastrophe? No, I, I thought I would, I thought I recognized her, but I don't know her from nothing. So Catastrophe is the show that was, I think, I don't know if it was an Amazon production or on somewhere in the in the UK and then brought to Amazon, but Sharon Horgan created, I think, or co-created, I think, I don't know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, might be, I, I could look it up, I'm not going to, but she co-stars with Rob Delaney in this amazing four seasons, six episodes per season show huh. called Catastrophe, where okay. Rob Delaney is an American businessman on a trip to Europe. They have a one night stand. She gets pregnant. He's just like, well, I guess I went. I guess we're doing this now, and huh. it's great. It's one of the best shows the last like ten years, and she's incredible on it. And she pops up in other things. She's in Game Night. Game Night, yeah. Now I remember her as like the the. the she's dating state. the real idiot there. She brings yeah. the real idiot with her. So she's just amazing. So to have her as Cage's wife was great. And then I think they said mm-hmm. that like the daughter was a Sheen. Was that was that what I heard? Oh, really? I, I can't remember. I, I mean, I didn't pick that up. Uh, I had to run to the bathroom for a minute, so maybe it was mentioned in, at that moment. But I, I liked that twist on Cage that, you know, he said he couldn't really play this with, um, like, a son because they don't have this type of relationship. So, like, bringing it in as a daughter was, was a cool idea for him to kind of, like, shift it further from his reality or something. Okay, so the daughter is played by Lily Mo Sheen, whose okay. parents are Michael Sheen and Kate Beckinsale. So she's oh. a Nepo baby, but she's also great in this, right? So, like, you know, I had never seen her in anything. She's been in other stuff before. Like, she was in Underworld Evolution as, I guess, young Kate Beckinsale, oh which is kind of cool. That's but this right. is her first I thing fr- in, like, 13 years, so she, she's <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> I just picture him as, like, such, like... Such harmless Michael Sheen and all of his stuff and like doting and nice in this. And then in those movies, he plays like leader of the Lycans and he's just like this metal looking werewolf bro. And I'm just like, holy shit, I can't believe that's the same fucking guy. But, you know, acting. So Cage's daughter in this play by, you know, a Nepo baby, but she's great in this. And that's kind of like cool because that's like, you know, her father in the movie is an actor. So, yeah, that's a cool idea. I I say that because like that's the parlance, but like I don't hold it like... I understand that nepotism is an issue, but like, mm-hmm. just it, if if you make good art, if you're a good actor, I don't care. I'm I'm not competing with with you for the jobs. I can see if I was an actor and I'm like, oh, you know, Michael Sheen's kid got the part instead of me, then I'd be mad. But like, if you're the best part, best person for the job or whatever, like, or if you if you're good in the role, I don't care. You know, and I always think like if your parents are actors or directors, like it kind of makes sense. You might grow up to yeah. have a knack at acting. <laughs> yeah, you're either going to do it or do the opposite thing, right? Like it's either like I want to do this or I want nothing to do with this because it drives me crazy, right? So like yeah, you know, yeah. all the power to you either way. Even Liza Minnelli has a sister that never got into show business. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was watching something about Judy Garland the other night and, and I was like, oh, she had another daughter? Okay, <laughs> so... Interesting, interesting. I, I think okay. it was the behind the Wizard of Oz on Shutter. They do like the uh, uh, okay, movie okay. things or whatever. Yeah. Then we have uh, Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz as sort of a uh, 
law enforcement duo without going mm-hmm. more specific than that, but sort of a reunion yeah. of the after party on Apple TV Plus, which is great. Love these two. Love the, they're sort of like the new, I picture them, even though they've been working for like 20 years, to me, they're like the new face of comedy. You know, they've been popping up a lot more recently and um, that too goes in cycles, you know, but I really like Ike and Tiffany and all their other stuff. So like, I was really happy to see them here. And he has some great reactions to, to Nick Cage, too. One that's in the trailer where she's like, did you see the Croods? And he's like, no, I'm a 45-year-old man. I watched Face Off, like yeah. something to that effect. That's yeah, that yeah. a great line. They're both great in it. And then who else? Is there anybody else of note? Oh, uh, MPH. You oh, know, yes, the, yes, yes. Uh, our, as his agent. Matrix psychiatrist. As agent named Fink, I think, which is kind of like a, you know, like a rat Fink. So it's kind of oh, like a, yeah. a funny joke at like people who are like trying to suck the lifeblood of you or whatever. But yeah, great. Really good cast. I thought MPH might have shown up um, a little more along the way or something. That would have been cool. But all in all, like I thought Pedro and Cage had amazing chemistry, like yeah. just great chemistry. Um and once they settled in, I would have watched whatever happened. So I'm just glad that what happened was very much worth watching. Yeah, because you know, there's other people throughout the entire movie, obviously, but most of the movie, like an overwhelming, like more than half of the movie, is just kind of the two of them hanging out, right? Or like just getting into trouble together or mm-hmm. like hanging out, doing drugs or whatever, right? So yeah, it's fun. They're both great actors. Like Again, it's the kind of thing where it's just like put two actors that you like, that are likable, that are good together, and just let them sort of shine right so i think it's really really good and again i just i want to underscore how relieved i am that this isn't like because somehow like what it manages to do which is not easy is it like leans into the fact that he is kind of a joke right and also a serious actor who has a history and has actual skills and abilities and like makes fun of the things that should be made fun of and like embraces the things that are you know admirable and that are lovable and does everything in a way that's just like oh yeah like he's great and it it feels like it could have gone so it could have it could have broken bad in so many ways i think there are so few ways that could get it right and i'm just so glad that this exists and that it i'm not like oh yeah like it's pretty good like i really like this movie yeah, yeah, me too. And and I'm glad it turned out to be what it was. And I remember hearing some of the things it could have been like, you know, Nick Cage is doing a movie where he reenacts scenes from his old films in character with, yep. you know, makeup. And, and that's just that worried, you know, even that worried me. And I was like, that's taking it too far. And the, it's got like a lot of that spirit to it. Like he is sort of going through his career and reflecting and analyzing himself and things, but not in that way. It's It's way better than that it's not quite uh hit you over the head at times and there's a lot of great homage and i feel like yeah this is a the guy who made this who and the writers like they are super fans they get cage this is a love letter not like a um scathing sort of report or you know this isn't some yellow journalism like yeah this is like some good stuff so i too was quite relieved um, very positive vibes uh, in this movie. So good, yeah, for good sure. Stuff. Yeah, I think if you have listened to this podcast from the beginning, if you've seen his movies, if you've listened to people talk, either even if you don't listen to our show, if you just talk about your about these movies and about his movies and watch these with friends or whatever, 
the more you're sort of like in tune or in touch with his career, I think the more small things you'll pick up on. Like there were obviously like the movie opens with a couple watching Con Air. It's just like, okay. But there's like also like smaller things in there. Like, you know, there are like literally you're watching movies of his in the movie, but also just like references to things and props from things and jokes about things and rehashes of things. And so like, I do think that there's... It does a nice job of, like, even if you just know Nicolas Cage is, like, a joke of some kind, right? You've never seen any of his movies, you'll still enjoy this movie. Or if you're, like, a diehard lunatic like us, there's a lot here that I think you can go deeper on and enjoy even more than just, you know, quote-unquote, the average person. Agreed. It feels almost like those Pixar movies to me where it's, like, there's there's the general audience that it's trying to please, but then it's like, or in, in the Pixar case, there's like the kids and then there's like the parents and the jokes they sneak in for the parents. And like, that's sort of how this movie felt to me, where it was like, oh, it's it's playing for everybody, but there's some deep cuts that like, if you're, you know, if you've watched every one of his movies some multiple times and have done like a podcast about him for a couple of years, then like, you're really going to be happy. So that those were, the, those were the extra special moments and I appreciated it. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any other thoughts about the unbearable weight of massive talent? No, I just look forward to seeing it again really soon. And yeah, and then, you know, on to the next cage. Kate, we're gonna, I think we're going to get Cowboy Cage this year, finally. Thank goodness. Like, I'm looking forward to that one. But um, otherwise, yeah, it was a great night. Uh, fun experience. Glad I got to see this with you. And yeah, um, I hope everyone checks it out. Yeah, for sure. So for all things Cage Club, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, mailbag, at cageclub.me. Come back later this year for when we cover whatever his next movie is, whenever that happens. Check out our other shows every Tuesday. I do Too Fast, Too Forever, and every other Thursday I do How to Win the Lottery, so Fast and Furious movies and a book club podcast. And then Mike, on the last part of every month, does The Monsters That Made Us about the Universal Classic Monster Movies, and on the first, the third of every month, I was going to say the first third of every month, which is true, but also needlessly <laughs> descriptive, the third of every month does a, a podcast, Third Time's a Charm, about the third movie in a movie franchise. And then we have all sorts of other shows. There are now 30 shows on the network. Oh, also, every other Monday, got to start promoing this, 1999, the podcast, where John Brooks and I are going through the movies in 1999, just go to cageclub.me slash shows, poke around, 30 shows, not all active. But if you found this because people are searching for this movie, if you want to see other podcasts or listen to other podcasts about movies, they're out there for you. Cageclub.me slash shows. And again, at cageclubpod online and email us mailbag at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Cage Club. <laughs>